Welcome to the Deliciously Alive podcast, where we explore what's possible when we allow ourselves the full human experience. My name is Sarah Campbell, and I'm your host. Each week, my guests and I will be sharing real and actionable insights on how to tap into your desires, feel truly alive, adventurous, and inspired to take action. I believe to my core that a vibrant, radiant, delicious life is possible for you. So pull up a comfy seat or join me on your favorite walk and we'll take this wild, messy, brilliant journey to living a life that lights us up together. Welcome everybody listening. This is going to be such an impactful conversation. I am so excited that you're here today. This has been something that has been on my mind and heart a lot through the years with the different roles that I've held and the different jobs that I've had. The exposure to this particular topic is really such an important one, especially in today's age. And so I have with me today, Chelsea Justice. And Chelsea Hi. is incredible. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for the <laughs> intro. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Give us a little bit about you. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, the spiel, right? So yeah, I'm a licensed mental health therapist and essentially I just help women mainly in their 20s and 30s overcome anxiety and depression and just really come into their own, all the crazy things that life throws at you when you're a young woman, you know? And I also have a podcast called You're Almost Therapist where I cover all that stuff too. So lots of lots of different things. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of misconceptions about depression and anxiety and suicide. Oh and gosh, yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Have you seen some consistent patterns in your work, especially, you know, on helpline work and things like that? Yes. So, yeah, in my past, I was, are you talking about like the crisis line work for the yeah. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline? Yeah. I just feel like there's, it seems like, and you see this on now that we're so public with the way that we talk to each other on social, there's a lot of misconceptions about somebody might be feeling and then mm -hmm. the other person's perspective, maybe they haven't experienced anxiety or suicidal, you know, ideation or depression and they have a perspective. But I think there's some misconceptions in between there that there's a disconnect in the conversation. And I don't know if you've right. seen those common misconceptions? Oh, 100%. I think that mental health challenges are experienced much more widely than people realize. And the more we talk about it, the more we can normalize it and really get it out there that it's okay to not be okay. You know, and in my past work, I did work for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline where I was a crisis counselor and eventually a supervisor, but basically, you know, it's the crisis line that you call when you are having those suicidal thoughts or needing someone to talk to. And we would get all sorts of folks who would call that seems like on the surface, you would never guess that they were experiencing those struggles, but they are really, really in the trenches with this mental health mm -hmm. stuff. And so just opening up those conversations and making it okay to reach out for help and support. And I do think there is a disconnect between the people who are struggling and then getting the help that they essentially need from, for instance, a professional therapist. 
Right. So is the misconception for them that I'm alone in this? I Yes. This is something that I need to keep to myself. This is something that not of, everyone else isn't struggling with. Yeah, lots of shame, unfortunately. I feel like, yeah. I mean, even I myself, when I used to struggle with mental health challenges in my 20s, I really, really suffered from anxiety, depression. At one point, I was having the suicidal thought that sucked and there's so much shame around it. Thankfully, now in 2023 with like all the platforms like TikTok and Instagram, people talk mm. about it more freely, which is amazing. But yeah, I just think that people do feel very alone and are afraid to talk about it or feel like something is inherently wrong with them if they're really struggling, especially women and especially millennial moms. You know, I think it's also a generational <laughs> thing too. You know what I mean? Totally. Oh gosh. Yeah. I know for myself growing up, like mental health wasn't a thing that we talked about, you know, and we're just kind of in this, the millennials are in this generation where I feel like a lot of our parents didn't talk about mental health stuff or normalize that. And so we ourselves struggle talking about it and identifying with it and reaching out for help with it. So I don't know if you can relate to some of that, but I know I certainly can. Oh my goodness. It's so relatable. It's funny that you said that actually. I, I've i kind of talked about it. I haven't made a podcast episode about it specifically, but I've been very open with my journey postpartum. I had went through postpartum depression for three years. Oh and that is like, you do, you feel there's so much shame you do feel yeah. alone. You don't know who to talk to. You don't want to. You think that, you know, there's people mm -hmm. out there that are worse off than you. So you just need to like get it together. And I wonder what it is because you serve women 20s and 30s primarily. What about that segment of people did you notice that was needing this? Like, I don't know yeah. what's the differentiator. Right. Yeah. So the reason why I kind of specialize in it's hard because it's like gen z slash millennials right <laughs> hard to define yeah. but it's because i feel that millennial women especially moms basically me <laughs> basically me is yeah. who i'm helping they feel the pressure to have it all and be superwoman you know mm -hmm. got to be the perfect parent got to keep the house clean got to make it to work and carry this you know, this job, all, all this weight. And usually I feel like for women, especially who are moms, who are partners, they put their mental health last or they don't think to pause and check and be like, whoa, am I okay right now? Wait, I am not right. okay. Like I'm an anxious mess. I am so, so low and depressed. Like I'm having glasses of wine every night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And similarly for women in their 20s, maybe not some of the same struggles like with the parenting expectations and whatnot. But the reason why I help, I like to help women in their 20s, like early to mid 20s, especially is because that's when I myself struggled with my mental health, because there's so much change that goes along with your 20s. I mean, really at any age, but especially mm -hmm. in your 20s, like college, post-college. So that's why those two groups are really of interest to me and why I really connect with wanting to help those women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of like you're serving that past you and Exactly. Exactly. Do you think that we cuz I was thinking about this, you kind of brought this up about how our generationally we've changed. We're shifting the conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's something to do with the shift in the landscape and what women 
especially like millennial women are trying to do in order to be a working part of the household and keep the household together? Like, are we just stretching ourselves too thin or like we want this freedom. We want to be able to make our own money and do contribute to the household. And then I can't remember what the word is. I think it's mental load or something like that. But there's been studies about women still having the household mental load. Oh my gosh, totally. And going to work. Is that like... That's such a thing. Oh my gosh. I feel like that's such a thing for millennial women. Oh man, yes. Like I'm I'm feeling this in my body right now as you're talking about it. Just like <laughs> me myself getting triggered of like thinking it's so relatable, right? Like we are a generation that is trying to do it all and there are only 24 hours in a day. I feel like there's the expectations that maybe our moms or grandmothers had of like taking care of the home, making dinner, taking yeah. care of the kids, getting them to daycare, taking care of ourselves, and also the pressure of our generation of carrying a full-time job and contributing financially, right? And those are like two full-time jobs in and of themselves. I think I came across a post on Instagram the other day that did a study that showed that women who are quote-unquote stay-at-home moms, right? Like that's the equivalent Mm -hmm. of someone working two and a half full-time jobs. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so true. I don't know if you saw it. A couple of years ago, I believe it too. A couple of years ago, there was this commercial and it was brilliant marketing, but I forget what. But anyways, it was basically they posted a job offer, job opportunity for this role, which was, yeah. you know, all these like household kind of duties. And then sure. they get they actually invited people to interview and they recorded the interview. Like it was full on and they invited people to interview. People came. You could tell it was real because you could tell that their facial expressions. Right. And they started interviewing and they're like, okay, so these are the job role responsibilities. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Saw that. And these are the expectations. Like you're available 24 seven, you know. Oh um, gosh. They're going through all these expectations, right? And you can see the person being like... I bet the people were like, no, thank you. uh, (laughs) You can see them checking out. And then at the end, (laughs) they're like, and we'll talk salary expectations and Hmm. what do you feel is fair for the role? And they say whatever. And they're like, well, it's actually, it's an intern position. It's not a paid position. So we're expecting that this would be, uh, you know, a, a we're not paying for this position. And you can see the people being like, no, like people were flat out like, you are crazy. Yep. You're nuts. No way. (laughs) That really puts it into perspective though, because that's essentially what we're doing. You know, it's like you're working. Totally. You're working the job of like taking care of a home and for the parents out there, raising children in and of itself is a job. You know, you're the chef. Or you're aging parents. Yeah, you oh, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. That's a big thing, too, taking care of that. And then add on top of that another, like, actual job, you know, where you're having to leave the house a lot of times or, you know, that pressure to contribute financially. It's just so much. And so, yeah, I do see so much just overwhelm and women being burnt out and just being at a place mm. where they feel like they have lost who they are, their identity, their passions, and that often manifests as anxiousness and depression and just this feeling of like stuckness, 
right? And so I really work with a lot of stuck millennial women who are like, I want to start focusing on myself. I am sick of feeling like this. I am so over it. You know, and every time I get someone in my office who kind of has that story, I just cheer them on like, woo, this is the first step. Glad you're here. Let's do it. Yeah. It can be a long journey sometimes, but. Yeah, this is the foundation. But that's the first place to start. So the speed at which we're moving and the things that we're taking on is definitely a contributing factor. Is there any other, are there any other contributing like big key players in keeping suicide and depression and anxiety prevalent? Like, is it, I don't know if it's a lack of true connection, if it's just you lose yourself, you're going too fast. Is it biological predisposition? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. Well, depression, anxiety, there are genetic components to that. So there's that. So if you have parents or family members who struggle with mental health issues, safe to assume that you're genetically predisposed to that already. With severe depression and suicide, I don't see that as much with my millennial moms, but I do see that quite a bit with with college students and people who are in their Mm -hmm. 20s just trying to navigate life. And I think a lot of it has to do with the comparison and social pressures of Social media, quite frankly, I know that this is a thing that's talked about all the time and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's hard to feel good about yourself when you're constantly watching the highlight reels of someone else's life that isn't even actually Mm. accurately portraying how they're living. But in your mind, you know, being a 22 year old who graduated college, who doesn't have a job yet, who's living in their parents' basement and is, you know, seeing their friend from high school, like on this private jet going to whatever, right? It's like... I'm a failure. I suck. You know, that negative self-talk and a lot of that negative self-talk I feel is so strongly influenced by just that comparison culture and constantly scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And like you mentioned, Sarah, like the the disconnect, I can honestly say, so I'm 32. I don't don't know how old you are, but I did not grow up with. Yeah, I'm 34. You're 34. Okay. So we didn't grow up with Instagram in high school. And I honestly say I'm so grateful for that. Same. (laughs) You know, I mean, Facebook was just becoming a thing when I was in college and it wasn't even that big. But I can't imagine being a young woman right now or a young individual right now having to navigate social media and just trying to create genuine connections and not compare yourself to others. I think it's a serious, serious issue. I mean, that's a whole other thing. I could go on for hours about that, but. I do think that is a huge factor in the mental health stuff too. Huge, huge factor. I love that message. I remember having a conversation with a friend. This is years ago. And there was so it was more than just me. I think there was two or three or three or four of us there. But there was this picture of one of our friends and her boyfriend and they had their dogs. It was like a little, you know, they didn't have kids at the time. It was like a little family picture. And uh, I remember somebody saying kind of that offhand remark, like, oh, perfect little family or just something offhand. And she was like, we had the worst fight we've ever had just before that picture. And I remember thinking about that. And I was like, it's so true. And you voiced it perfectly. It's literally the same term that I use is that we are comparing ourselves to everybody's highlight reel with the own worst mm-hmm. version internally of yes. our our own reality 
because not only are we living our reality, we're also experiencing all that self-talk, like you said, the negative self-talk that can influence that. And then we're comparing it to something completely unrealistic and not even, you know, obviously the picture was true. She still loved her boyfriend or whatever, but it was just the, it wasn't meaning to be a facade, but it was the picture of what it looked like versus what the experience was so different. And I hope everyone hears this. Like, I hope everyone absorbs this as their truth and recognizes that if you're listening today, this is your ability to uh, be aware and understand that what you're looking at on social media is everybody's highlight reel. Mm -hmm. The faster you'll be able to recognize that you don't have to keep up with that comparison. Do you agree? Yes. I 100% agree. I love that message because it's so easy to forget that it is their highlight reel and that those pictures or stories or whatever aren't accurately portraying their whole life, Mm. you know, and that's just such an easy thing to forget. And I think also it's easy to get caught up in making sure that you're posting stuff too, you know, making sure you look good in this picture and showing off this Mm. vacation. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that because we do want to share the joyous moments of life. Sometimes though, I think it can be a slippery slope of feeling like you need to just like prove yourself or, or portray a certain image. And that almost takes the joy out of those moments that, that you should be really soaking up, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, social media, man. (laughs) I know. It's a whole thing. I've been randomly binging Megan Trainor lately, and I don't know if you've ever heard the song. And she's got the song, and it says, don't I make it look easy, baby, when I do what I do? Don't I make it like, don't I make it look easy, but I'm fooling you? She's like, you know, I posted on social media, but if I'm not lying, I spend an hour on the shoes. And it's like yep. this whole thing of like, we're all starting to kind of, it's not even come clean, but it's just be more transparent and authentic with yeah. what is going on in reality versus, and it's, you know, we see it a lot with magazines and people talking about reducing the Photoshop and wanting to having the grays and things like that and just being right, like be real. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're not doing anybody, especially future girls coming up and coming any favors by having filters on everything that we have. And I'm guilty as an ex-person of like a filter once in a while, but me too. it's the openness and the ability to be transparent so that there's this awareness that it's not that standard that everyone has to keep up with. Yes. And I would say that, you know, if you're listening to this and recognizing that these aren't conversations you're having with your girlfriends or whomever, be Mm. the first person to have that conversation Mm -hmm. with safe people, you know, people who you feel get you and that you can connect with and feel safe with because once you start opening up and being vulnerable, it's amazing how many other people will start opening up and being like, oh my gosh, <laughs> me too, girl, me too. I have this funny story. It is true. I'm in this uh, parent-toddler group every Friday that I bring my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter to, and it runs for like three months, right? And I've been in probably three or four different different cohorts of it. And the fall one, just like 
the temperature that was set for that one is we kept things really surface level. We talked about, oh, you should do this with your kids. Here are some ideas. Do that. And I just remember feeling every parent group feeling like I was an utter failure. Like, oh my gosh, I am the worst mom ever. All these Mm. people have their shit together. Sorry, can I swear? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. I swear too. (laughs) Okay. All these other women have their shit together. And I just suck. And I just left every parent group feeling like the worst. Yeah, basically like a failure. And this past winter, the parent group that I'm in this time, we are talking about all the raw stuff. Like, oh, my kid smeared poop in the, <laughs> on the walls. Or or <laughs> my kid had Hershey's yeah, kisses life. for breakfast, you know? Or I was half an totally. hour late for work again and forgot to cook dinner and haven't done laundry in two weeks. And I just feel so much better in this group because it's like, yes, let's be real and support mm. each other. Let's not pretend like we've got our shit together because no one does. And it's okay to not have it together because you're not supposed to be able to have all that together. I feel like women aren't supposed to be able to balance being moms and having jobs and keeping the home clean and pursuing their passions and all that. Like you can't do all of those things 100%. It's just not going to happen. It's impossible. Yeah. And so just kind of knowing right off the bat and setting those expectations, lowering the bar for yourself, you know? A hundred percent. Gosh. You know what I mean? I just I love everything. You say. I have so many thoughts of <laughs> all the things yes. because it's so relatable. Share them. Share them. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just honestly, it's when you were saying that, it reminded me of one of my dearest friends. I absolutely adore her. I moved a couple of years ago and to a new place, okay. didn't know anyone. And mm-hmm. I went to this mom group. And so going back to what you said, if you can be brave enough. And it doesn't have to be like, maybe it is about parenting. Maybe you're at that stage in your life right now, but maybe it's college and the pressure and your parents' expectations of whatever it is. Start the conversation in a safe space with friends that you know will get it because, or you think will get it because the relief, I don't know what we think we're doing or what we're trying to, we're trying to control our reputation, our our surroundings. And so we're trying to keep it all together. But like you said, the amount of relief that you had in that moment, I had that same experience. I went to oh, a yeah. a mom and talk group or whatever it was mm-hmm. in this new town, didn't know anyone. And it was my first time there. And I hit it off with this girl. We were kind of, you know, our kids started playing together. And I remember we went down this train with some one of us. I don't even remember who kind of kicked it off and said something like, you know, oh, my kid just ate Hershey's <laughs> for breakfast, whatever. <laughs> And we just were like, and we, it got so real so quick. Everyone just dumped. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. And with this girl, like, literally, she was like, do you want to come to my house for coffee sometime? And she's one of my, I love it. My best friends here in this new place that I've, we've kind of put roots down. And it's just like the people that you can be real with, that's how you get through the anxiety in my experience i'm not saying that's for everyone sometimes there's medication involved but emotionally as a woman and being built exactly like you said like if you look at other cultures we are built to live in community we take care of kids as a group in a lot of other cultures and to give yourself that gift like where's the village have you ever seen that yeah 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 yeah, i have seen that that's right (laughs) Like the whole, you know, I see this post all the time of, oh, it takes a village. Yeah. And then the mom is like, well, where's my village? I have nobody. 
you're so right in you know western cultures like we we idealize doing it all and individualism and hyper independence but so many other cultures just demonstrate you know they have like their parents living in the home with them or they yeah. all kind of like work as a community to raise these kids and we we kind of feel like an island sometimes and that's just a really crappy feeling and another thing you mentioned but just just being able to recognize when you need that extra support and help from a professional, right? From therapy. Another thing too I wanted to bring up is I work with a lot of women who initially right off the bat don't hit it off with their therapist and gave up on therapy like five years ago and reached a point where they needed to go back and, you know, they click with me or maybe they don't click with me, you know? And so if you're listening to this and you've tried therapy before and it wasn't helpful or you're thinking of trying therapy, give it a shot. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it takes shopping around for therapists. I like to use the metaphor of, you know, you got to find the right pair of running shoes if you're going to run a marathon and achieve those goals. You need to have the therapist that's the right fit for you, that you can vibe with, who gets you, you feel safe with. And there is no shame in talking to a therapist to improve your mental wellness, right? Like, I love that now it's becoming more normalized and people are more openly talking about seeking mental health treatment. But even just for support and to just have someone regularly that you can talk to about all the things that are going on in life, you know, it doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It just simply means like, hey, I've got a lot on my plate. I could use some extra support. Boom. Like, that's what we're here for. Um, and I just want to like, I wish I could just stand on top of a mountain and shout that, go see a therapist. Like if you need support, we're here. We can help. I love that message. Honestly, I think therapy probably, I don't know if saved my life is pretty extreme, but I remember I told you earlier that I went through this experience with three years postpartum depression and it came to a point that I was like, I don't know what to do, where to turn, what to, how to handle this. And luckily for me, I had a friend who had gone through that experience and she was able to share some things, some really helpful things for her that worked for me as well. Some of the mean meditation was incredible. Another one was going to talk to someone. And I remember I parked down the street and basically snuck in the building. I was so ashamed <laughs> the first time I went. I was like, I don't want anyone to see where I'm going. And I went in. Chelsea, I kid you not, I literally floated out. I oh, floated yeah. out. And luckily for me, I found the right pair of running shoes, like you said, the first time. Yeah. Right off the bat, yeah. I did. I did. I absolutely, oh my God, sing the praises of the woman that I was working with. Absolutely incredible. Such a good match. You may not find it right away, and that's totally, totally normal. I have a friend. But I think, what can people do? Because I, I think... I have had somebody in the experience, a friend of mine who went through this process and they didn't find a match and they were like, oh, this person doesn't get me and oh. thought that it discouraged them. What what are some good thoughts to think in that state when we're discouraged yes. and we haven't found someone that we can connect with? Yes. I would encourage you to remind yourself that you will find that person and it's worth it. It's worth the trial an effort of going through therapists that aren't the right fit to find the right one. Because I think you mentioned postpartum depression, was it? Which by yeah. the way, oh, 
girl, me too. I had that so bad. The postpartum depression, anxiety, and it's I tough. even had some postpartum OCD. Oh my gosh. I, whew, yes, definitely. I had to see a therapist too, which was a quite literal lifesaver. But yeah, for, for me myself, I had to go through, I think like three or four therapists until I found my queen. Her name is Suzanne. Suzanne, if you're listening, if you ever find this <laughs> podcast episode, you saved my life. But when I was oh 25, I found Suzanne, saw her for a year and a half. And I can honestly say that without her, like I'd be living like underneath a bridge right now. <laughs> like she, she helped me get my shit together. Yeah. She helped me get back on the right medication. I felt hurt. I felt validated. My self-worth was found again. And if I had given up on that therapist search, I don't know where I would be. And I'm not saying that you need a therapist to get to where you want to be in life. Like, you know, we're all very resilient. However, having that support made things much easier, right? Like life didn't have to be that hard. And mm. having her alongside me and having the right therapist alongside me made all the difference. So if you're looking for a therapist and you have insurance and want to use your insurance, I recommend checking out psychologytoday.com. You can narrow it down and filter. And another thing I recommend is having a phone consultation with a potential therapist. Therapist shopping. And most therapists offer free phone consultations. I do them all the time where I'll chat with someone for like, 15 or 20 minutes, I'd say three out of four times were a great fit because they've read my bio. They went to my website. If your therapist shopping and something on their website or their bio resonates with you, jot their name down, schedule a phone consultation and go with your gut. And I have had people where I've talked to them on the phone and we realize, oh, I don't think I'm the right fit for you, you know, because I am a very direct yet compassionate kind of therapist. But I also like to let my clients kind of take the lead and let me know what their goals are. But some people are looking more for the therapist to 100% take the lead and tell them what to do. And I'm not like that. And so me being able to tell them that right off the bat, they can eliminate me and that increases their chances of finding the right person. So really checking in with yourself, asking yourself what you think would be a right fit for you and a therapist and having those phone consultations and knowing that if one isn't the right fit, do not give up because that person is out there. <laughs> Your soulmate is out there. <laughs> mm. I feel like we're talking about relationships. But it's like, it's somebody that you mm -hmm. trust, you need to trust, and you need to have hard conversations with. It is so a it relationship. Is kind of like, yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah, in a sense. And I love that you said that about, you know, <laughs> therapist shopping is so interesting because I think a lot of people may not have originally thought of that. They just think, especially nowadays where we can meet with people online. I think some people just think like I can go to the one of the, yep. you know, five people in my town and that's my options. Mm -hmm. And but it's different. The landscape's different these days. It's totally different, especially after COVID. If you're open to virtual therapy, which is like, you know, video therapy, very, very effective. You can see anyone in your state, anyone who's licensed in your state. You don't have to be kept to just your hometown. So if you live in a small town or you want to expand your search, you can see any therapist in your state virtually. So just want to throw that out there too, because some sometimes people don't realize awesome. that. And good info. It is good info. Yeah. Because then you can I feel like it's a little bit more hopeful than being feeling limited mm -hmm. to the couple people that, you know, know your parents or something <laughs> and they've <laughs> they've been the therapist and yeah. You know, if you're living obviously if you're living in Chicago or something, that's not gonna be the case. But yeah, you know what I mean. But I think so therapy is a big one, at least obviously from both of our experiences. 
do you and and there's no doubt that life feels like a lot sometimes what is it that we can go back to during times of extreme distress like if we think about the person that is they're in their comparison scroll and they are just dumb you know they're in that moment of extreme distress We've got our therapy we know we can you know reach out what are some other ways of healthy processing for anxiety and depression and suicide ideology or whatever we're experiencing so that we can move through the process? That is such a good question. And I wish there was like a catch-all blanket response that I could give you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I will say that if you're having suicidal thoughts or feel like, man, I just don't want to be alive anymore, there is a crisis line. I believe you can just dial or text 811. They changed it. The last couple years, mm-hmm. um, eight one one reaching out for that immediate support. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, check the show notes; it's there. So if you're really, really stuck in the trenches and feeling unsafe, please reach out because there are trained counselors out there who are there to listen to you and help you. A lot of people have the misconception that oh, if I call, they're going to call nine one one and hospitalize me. And no, that's not what happens. Yeah. They're there to listen to you and help you stay safe if you can't work with them on a plan to stay safe. So just know that those resources are out there. For people who are just really stuck right now, the anxiousness and depression, the first step I usually recommend for people is to just pause and first of all, realize that's where you're at. Reach out to a trusted loved one just for support, just to talk about it, open up those conversations because sometimes even just getting it out there is such a huge relief. I don't know. It's kind of hard. I guess I don't have the exact answer for how to process that really on your own because it's just so different for each person dependent on their own coping skills, their experiences, you know, their specific situation, which is why I always default to seek out a therapist to have someone. But there's platforms Mm. like BetterHelp and what's the other one? Talkspace that are a little bit more accessible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, where you can do like chat therapy and whatnot. On my podcast, the You're Almost Therapist podcast is what it's called. I have like these two-minute pep talk slash meditations that I've gotten really good feedback on that just instantly help you like reconnect with yourself or improve your mood. And that's exactly why I made those is for women who are in a situation where they're like, okay, I feel really stuck. I want to feel better. What can I listen to? I, I essentially made the pep talks that I wish... I have sometimes when I'm feeling stuck. But yeah, I would say just reach out to a loved one and try to get connected with a therapist and just pause. And another big one, sorry, I feel like I'm rambling here, but I'm coming I'm coming up with this new no, stuff. No, no, this is good. Another big one is self-compassion. Oh my gosh. Do you, are you familiar mm. with self-compassion? Mm-hmm. Self-compassion and I have an evolving oh, relationship. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the way with everyone, especially if you're ambitious and you're you're a little bit hard on yourself sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's like a learned skill. It truly is. But basically, self-compassion is recognizing that I'm not alone in this. It's okay to not be okay. And I'm going to love myself through this and remind myself that I'm exactly where I need to be right now. And this is temporary. And I'm trying my best with what I have. It's being gentle with yourself Mm -hmm. and meeting yourself where you're at because I feel like especially the listeners of your podcast are probably really ambitious people who are driven and have goals for themselves, right? That's something that drew me to you. Uh, However, women who tend to be high achieving or have really ambitious also tend to struggle with self-compassion because we're so used to talking to ourselves in like a mean way of like, okay, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, try harder, do better. 
I used to be like that. I'm still like that to this day. Like, who am I kidding? Because self-compassion isn't like these pearly gates that you just arrive to one day and you're like, ah, you know, I'm self-compassionate always <laughs> and forever. I'm never going to have critical self-talk. Like, uh-uh, that, that ain't it. That ain't it, right. girl. Yeah. So for me, it's like a practice. I have to remind myself like, okay, Chelsea, what would you tell like a friend that was going through this? What would you tell a client? Can you be nice yeah. to yourself so that this isn't so hard? So that's another thing I would add to what you just posed in terms of like how to take that first step or that kind of immediate feeling better is just be gentle on yourself. I love that. And I love that you framed it up in the way of what would you say to a friend? Yeah. Because if a friend came to you and they were vulnerable and they were like, hey, I'm not doing good, I, you know, whatever it is that they're sharing, you're not going to be like, get yourself together. <laughs> you shouldn't be dealing with this. You, you know, you're you're not going to do that. You're going to be like, hey, how can I support exactly. you? Like, I'm here to talk. You don't have to, uh, you know, like, and so oh giving that to ourselves is probably one of the greatest gifts we can give ourselves 100%. for moving through these challenging situations. Yep, that self-talk yeah. is so So. That just made me think too when you said that. So reaching out to a loved one, if we flip the script a little bit and we're the loved one. So if anyone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, this isn't really resonating. I haven't gone through. I'm not really super anxious or haven't experienced these things, but my partner does, my sister does, and I just don't even know how to be there for them. What's What can we offer as... How can we support them? To those people that want to be there. Yeah, they want to be yeah. there for their family member or their loved one, but they just, they feel at a loss. Like, I don't even know yeah. what they need from me. Oh my me. gosh, such a good question. I would say the one piece of advice that I have for you is meet them where they're at. If it's a friend that you suspect is like having a really hard time, you know, you're not just going to open up the conversation, you know, right in their face and be like, okay, here's a therapist you need to see, <laughs> Right. Just meet them where they're at. Yeah, if someone, yeah, if someone's struggling to open up or, you know, tends to keep to themselves, like how can you open up that conversation in a way that's going to be comfortable for them? Also approaching it in a really non-judgmental, compassionate way and coming from a place of care versus like you need to do this, right? Because mm. these folks in your life that are going through a hard time, they are trying the best with what they have. And so the best thing that you can do is to meet them where they're at and let them know I am here. My door is open if you ever want to talk. And making sure to just erase any judgment or any assumptions about what's going on for them. Be curious. Ask them how you can help. Let them know that mm. you're always there. Your door is always open. I think that's so important. I do have what I see in my practice with my clients, either my clients do this or their loved ones do this, where they approach it from like a tough love perspective of like, you need to see a therapist or get your shit together. You know, why haven't you done this? You need to change your meds. And it's like, okay, that just feels judgmental and shaming. And usually people aren't very receptive to that. Yeah. And I know that the intention behind that is good. It's positive, but that approach just isn't very effective for most people. So hmm. does that make sense? It makes a hundred percent sense. That kind of warm, open door approach. Yeah. Curiosity. I love that. Curiosity is one of my biggest core values. And I think when you're curious about something, you can't be judgmental. It's like they can't live in the same room. It's kind of like anger and gratitude. Yep. They just can't live in the same room. Yep. And so if you do you're right. 
yeah, if you intentionally come with curiosity, you can't be like, oh, you should do this. You would be like, oh, why are you doing that? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think that. Yeah. See that perspective before or whatever. Yeah. But I love that. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So couldn't agree more. If people are going through this and they're going through, you know, whatever mental health struggles that they're going through, there's the therapy and different ways of managing and moving through things that we've talked about. How do we make this a long-term thing instead of just getting through? Like, I feel like sometimes when you're in this space and you're in kind of the depths of it, it's just about getting through the next day. <laughs> you're like, how do I get through today? But yep. how do we make this a long-term and a long-term thing for us where it's uh, we're, we see the improvement and we don't have to go back there or. Yeah. Get out of this cycle and like stay at a better place. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's another really awesome question. So if you are at a place right now where you feel like you're in the trenches, it's okay to take things one day at a time. It's okay to approach it in terms of like, I just need to get through today in terms of like staying there maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> maintenance is what I like to call it. Exactly. I hate to keep coming back to this, but therapy. <laughs> I feel like I'm just a broken record at this point. But I do have a lot of clients that keep in touch with me or even talk to me once a month. For, and we call it maintenance, mm. you know, or identifying a few things in your life that if you routinely do them, they help you remain in a more positive, healthy mental health space. Mm -hmm. For me, that's alone time and baths mm -hmm. and having a drink with friends at least once every few weeks. Sometimes it doesn't even happen, you know, that often because I have kids and I'm busy, you know, but for me, my big two things are that solid alone time so I can recharge and that socializing outside of socializing with my toddlers and my <laughs> husband. Like that's what I need to stay afloat. For other people, it might be like working out, you know, or traveling every so often. You know, it's just different for everyone. Like what would you mm. say yours are if, if off the top of your head. Like those couple of things. That it's so funny. Mine are yours. The same. It's alone time. Oh my gosh, totally. really? <laughs> and it's so funny. Oh my when gosh, I, yeah. One of the biggest things for me moving through that postpartum experience was meditation, alone time. Yep. I, I had a toddler at the time and I started getting up at 5 a.m. just so I could get a little bit of quiet time. Dang, girl. I, I could, you know. Ooh, good for you. The only time in the day you could do it. That's it. And it's like, it wasn't even yeah. a matter of I was motivated. I just couldn't not. Mm -hmm. It's like there was no yeah. other alternative. Literally, that was the only time in the day where you could yeah. do it. Exactly. I and I couldn't not. Like, I, once I realized that's what I needed. So those were my two. And then getting out was definitely one for me. And yeah, I think very yeah. similar to yours. Yeah, and I would say for the post postpartum listeners or parents out there, yeah, getting out just in general, whether it's in nature or socializing or even just going to Target, I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to Target and bought a stupid $6 latte just to walk around <laughs> and hit up totally. like the, the decor sales because I'm just like getting <laughs> out and walking around and seeing other human beings. You know, that's also really important too, especially if you're a parent, especially, especially if you're in that postpartum period if you can somehow manage to to get yourself out there and interact with other people that goes a long way I love what you shared though about the maintenance because it's not like 
it's about finding what keeps you in that space and allows you to maintain well-being, mental well-being. Yeah. And so it might just be finding those things for you and making sure that they're part of your life. And I love that. You've given us so many yeah. tips. I was going to ask you, like, what's one yeah. thing someone listening? But you've literally given us so <laughs> many good things. <laughs> oh, like, I'm so glad to hear amazing. that. I want to add value and make sure that your listeners leave this episode feeling like they have some tangible things that they can do. And knowing yeah. you are not alone, girl. You are not alone. <laughs> yeah. We're here for you. Totally. I think yeah. part of the big thing of this podcast is really for me about being the transparency. I talked about curiosity being one of my core values personally, and so is transparency. And I almost feel like it's a – like I can't not be transparent because it's like a moral obligation because mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to feel the way I felt and think – that they're the only one. Yeah. And every, oh gosh. like all my friends get the spiel, especially when it's their first kid. <laughs> but it, and that's just <laughs> my lived experience. It could be totally different. Like it could be mm-hmm. maybe you're experiencing this with college or you have experiences with college and you can be that person to open the conversation for somebody else. But yeah, it's just opening that conversation does so much for both the person starting the conversation and uh, the person yeah. that's like, oh, this oh, is a safe space. Way. Yeah. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I feel like we're almost kind of the same person because in my podcast, I share my own personal stories, like embarrassing, humiliating stories, because for that exact reason, I want people to see that even a therapist goes through the same challenges and stuff that other people go through and just that humanness, right? We're all in this together. We really are. It's a human experience. I love this. Mm -hmm. Chelsea, thank you so much. Where can everybody connect with you? Yeah. So I don't have social media yet, but I have my podcast. It's called You're Almost Therapist. Check it out. The first episode actually is about the self-talk and all that stuff and how impactful that is. And that's been a fan favorite. So that's how you can find me for now. Love it. Everybody go Mm -hmm. check out Chelsea on her podcast. You said it's You're Almost Therapist, right? Yep. You're Almost Therapist. Not quite. But almost. <laughs> I'm in a different state than you, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, you got it. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Deliciously Alive podcast with me today. We hope it brought value to you and created a bit of inspiration and encouragement that will move you into action. For more, you can head on over to deliciouslyalive.com forward slash guide to get our free resource guide that will show you actionable ways to live an incredible life, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know who would love it too or leave a rating and review. It means the world to us and gives us feedback on what to do more of. That's all for this episode. So till next time, stay curious, be brave, and take inspired action toward that delicious life meant especially for you.